you mean that? Or are you just trying to prove a point? To her over there. You were very quick to defend her, weren't you, when Beth was sticking the knife in before? That ship sailed. Oh, that's okay. Well, I mope over the life I've lost. Be grateful for the one I've got. Two lovely daughters, a few bob in the bank, Paul Newman's eyes. <laughs> <laughs> the talk of the street. 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 Welcome to episode 176 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Coalition Street Catcher podcast that has checked its calendar, cancelled all other appointments, and now is absolutely free for National Kick Gale Day. I'm Gavin. <laughs> I've got my winkle pickers on and everything. Ah, oh, dear. And I'm just flummoxed that you would want to kick poor Gale while she's already down. Poor wee Gale. Makes it easier. She's less inclined to run. <laughs> How's that cough coming along? <coughs> oh, meaty. It's actually, I, 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 I think you save I, it for the podcast because you've been fine all day. No, I've been coughing all day, but I've been in the living room and you've been in the ah. office. So, what the fuck would you know? Well, this is true. <laughs> I actually think that I am starting to feel better, but I, I say that with some trepidation because I thought that way before, right? And and it didn't happen, but. And my breathing seems to be better, so that's something. It's good news for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're so, finally out of quarantine, which is nice. Right. Our COVID. Our COVID nightmare is over. Yeah. For now. For now. <laughs> I'm sure it'll come back. I'm sure Ben will get it next. Yeah. yeah. The two Pfizer people in the house. They were Pfizer? Yeah. Yeah, they're both Pfizer and... Uh, you, myself, and Nick are Moderna. That's what I was talking about earlier when I said... Well, I thought we were all house Moderna. No, kids uh, kids their age can't get Moderna. Oh. We could only get Pfizer. Oh, right. Now this conversation starts to make a bit more sense than it did before. <laughs> and it, it didn't before, but it didn't It didn't not make sense enough for me to question it. I just, do you know what? Can this marriage Fine. be saved? <laughs> Well, let me dress up as a clown. <laughs> and then we can talk. Actually, actually, you did just ask the cat if she needed an envelope. So I think the she looked like she was coming and looking for an envelope. You're adorable. Mm-hmm. And I will never leave you. <laughs> Is that a threat or a promise? <laughs> because you help the cats with their stationary needs. Somebody's got to. The dog's certainly not going to do it. He has enough problems on his own. Right, we're sober. <laughs> Absolutely stone cold sober. I'm high on antibiotics. It's <laughs> my story and I'm sticking to it. There we go. How are you? I'm fine. I think I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. Have you finished your antibiotics? Yeah, they finished at the start of the week. So oh. that was me done with that. Oh. Do you feel better? Uh... I didn't feel bad in the first place, so it's hard well, to you kind to of judge. felt bad in the first place, but you always feel bad because you're old. Right. So <laughs> that, that was 
the fatigue I was feeling was just the fatigue of the age. Well, see, this is the thing, though, is because I thought my fatigue was just the fatigue of the age until it got to the point where it would get to three o'clock and I would have to go lie down Mm -hmm. for like two hours because I just couldn't function. So Yeah, it was never quite that bad. No, your rash seems to have cleared up. It's getting there. The one on my wrist is good. This is looking better today. Yesterday yeah. after I went for my walk and my arm was sweaty. Uh-huh. Oh, it was angry. It did not like the sweat. So but yeah. It looks more like it looks more like Lyme disease now than <laughs> than, than streptococcus. I think it's more scurvy than anything else. <clears throat> no. Anyway, Scurvy my skin complaints. Much angrier. My skin complaints notwithstanding. Yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm doing okay. Thanks very Aren't much. Aren't you for glad asking. you turned you tuned in over your breakfast? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Apologies to any listeners who are currently eating. Yeah, enjoy those cornflakes. <laughs> well, you know me. I never was a cornflake girl. Oh, that's that might be enough to push us into the into the preamble. That might be enough. <laughs> That joke is only for a certain amount of Gen Xers out right. there. Well, we might as well. <laughs> I've threatened it. So, shall we preamble, my dear? Yes, please. Give us some of that Tori Amos coding news. Looks like Steve is following his mom into the castle. Simon Gregson has signed it on to appear in I'm a Celebrity 2021. Yes, he has. No, this <laughs> this could be amaze balls. It could Couldn't be amaze balls, or it could be awful. Awful. We could find out things about him that we didn't want to know. Right. That happens sometimes when these celebrities go on these things. Mm-hmm. We find out that they're raging racists or something. The one that I, I not remember, that I think that Simon Gregson is a racist. No, of course not. Of course the, one, not. the one that I remember the most, though, was when John London, a.k.a. Johnny Rotten, out of, of, of the Sex Pistols went uh-huh. on. And my mum loved <laughs> Johnny Rotten. You would not have believed it. I can see that. I can see that. Even when he did say the C word <laughs> live on air, it wasn't enough to put her off. Well, no, she's Scottish. She wouldn't be put off by that. Oh, she, oh, she, yes, she would. Yes, she would. Yeah, In her heart, she wouldn't. Johnny Rotten got away with murder. <laughs> but that's another story. Mazel tov to Sam Aston and wife Brianny on the news that baby number two will be arriving spring of 2022. Oh, congratulations. Lots of twos there. The couple have a 14-month-old son named Sonny. So. Which I think I remember from. Yes. According news. 14 months ago, yes. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we've been doing that all this those, long. All those COVID babies just coming one after the other, I guess. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Good for him. Yeah. yeah. And her. Yes. <laughs> She'll be doing mo- most of the work. Yeah, most of the heavy lifting. Right. And finally, universes collide as Emmerdale, Corey, EastEnders, Casualty, <sighs> Doctors, Holby City, and Hollyoaks will hold a crossover event in early November with several episodes relating to climate change. And you thought the Marvel Universe was confusing. I did. I do. And this, and it's poor poor Holby City. They're they're part of this huge event and then they're getting cancelled. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sucks for them. Sucks. 
for them. It's further confusing though when you have characters like uh, Claire King. Uh huh. She was and is Kim Tate in Emmerdale. More of later. Uh huh. She was Erica in Coronation Street. Oh. So the same actress played. And, and, and there are people, there are, plenty. there are actors who have played five different characters on Coronation Street in their lifetimes. So, and I mean, for some of these crossovers, it's, you know, the kids on Coronation Street will watch a, a, a public service YouTube video put out by the cast of EastEnders sort of thing. So is that what it is? It's not going to feature on the show. Some of them will and some of them won't. No. Like everything's a little bit different. But like they will cross over into one another's universe. It's like when, it's like when um, Spider-Man references Spock. I guess it does answer the question though: Why does no one on Coronation Street watch EastEnders and vice versa? Yes, because they don't exist as shows in each other's universe. Right. However, both shows exist in the Marvel universe, as, right. as we pointed out this week. Yeah, so the Marvel Universe does not exist in the Coronation Street Universe. Finally, we've been able to put that one to rest. <laughs> right. Yes. Captain Britain watches it all the time. <laughs> well, actually, Captain Britain's wife, Megan, watches it all the time. Because when she was... That's how she learned how to socialize with people, was watching television. Because as a mutant, her parents kept her <laughs> locked up. <laughs> oh, that's very sad. What? She was locked up by her parents and wasn't allowed to go out because was? she was a mutant. Megan. Who's Megan? Captain Britain's wife. <laughs> there we go. Don't you just love the fact that there is a Captain Britain? Doesn't that fill no. you with pride? No. He's Brian Braddock. He's complaining about French people. and He was made Captain Britain by Merlin, would you believe? Anyway, that's Cory <laughs> News, I guess, right? That's Cory News. Now we'll podcast for coffee. We are not drinking coffee right now because it's Friday night. And people seem to know that because there are no donations <laughs> for coffee. What? Nobody cares week. about breast cancer, well, I guess. I wouldn't, say, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I don't think we can extrapolate that. But no. However, it's fine. It's fine. We'll donate our own money. Just to recap, though, for the month of October, we will be do- donating any coffee monies sent to us to Breast Cancer Research Foundation, BCRF, much the same way as we donated uh, in September to Rescue.org. So have we, have we tweeted about this fact on the Twitter that, that our, co- our Ko-Fi money this month goes to? I think so. Okay. I want to do it again, I guess. And we're pink. Yes, we are pink. We're pink. I mean, we were already pink. We're very white people, so we're <laughs> right. very pink. Absolutely. But if you want to buy us <laughs> next week's coffee, which we'll donate to BCRF, you can go to ko-fi.com, which is ko-fi.com, slash the talk of the street, and we'll be very grateful. And now, Hindsight Corner. Jacqueline on Facebook says, just listening to you in work, quick note, chickenpox vaccine isn't routine here, so most people haven't had it. There's a hindsight corner for you, and this rings true for me, because I didn't have the chickenpox well, vaccine. Well, neither did I. Because that's how I caught it, when I was 29 or 30. <laughs> 29? 
Twinkling. Yeah, people our age wouldn't, but people in their 20s, and you know, because it didn't really become readily available here until um, like the mid 90s. Mm, doesn't seem to be a thing at all in the UK either. Ah, well, then, still, you'd you'd be up for longer than one day for shingles. Yeah, but remember, he didn't, he didn't have, shingles. have shingles. I know. So, still, no, no, not still. A, come up with a better excuse. Well, he's an idiot. Well, you said it, not me. I'm still waiting for him to be Navid from Still Game. <laughs> We're missing a trick here, people. And now this. Oh, welcome, welcome, welcome. Oh, welcome to Last Year Tonight with me, John Oliver. Just enough time to quickly talk about Seagull on a Sausage Roll. Oh, this was, um, is this Imran being terrified of seagulls? No. Because remember, Imran is terrified of seagulls. Yeah, I forgot to write down what it actually was. <laughs> it was someone being all over it like a seagull on a sausage roll. I think it might have been Johnny. <coughs> Which is hilarious. Yeah, I've got I've got one job. Also... I've got one job. I have to listen to last year's episode and write what? up this little segment. How and dare I, you? And I didn't do it. You, I was had Gavin, all of quarantine to do it, I know, too. I was Gavin and you were spooky. Yeah, I'm always spooky. For not the first time, we spent an awful lot of time talking about how Disney is shit and Universal is a rip-off. We reprised a hair-related Shona assault this week with an unsuspecting hipster stepping into Bernie's shoes. Mm. Stairmaster Todd has installed himself into Eileen's attic, but Mick the gangster... Oh, bless your heart, Gamek. He's on the trail, and no amount of distracting phone calls or blows to the head is going to hold him I back. I really miss Gamek. They need to bring him back. Remember the concussions that he got from just constantly being hit over the head? Remember how cute he was with his husband and his baby? It was lovely. It was lovely. It was a lovely gangster tale. It was very Sopranos. <laughs> You've never watched the, the episode of Sopranos I in your life. Honestly, don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Arthur Neveland's trip to the country comes to an abrupt end thanks to Tyrone's leaky air mattress, but what on earth has got Arthur to work on his two-second smile fade or take him to wear the general? Time this, life. This promised so much. Mm. Billy and his man bag have a very important meeting with the bishop. Scott has a very painting-by-numbers caper to get uh, one over on Ray, which unfortunately is going to rely on Johnny doing the driving. Uh-oh. Gary's reluctance to sell the factory may well scupper Ray Weinstein's evil plans, which are finally revealed, and they're not quite what anyone was expecting. It's a skyscraper. No, seriously. <laughs> David and a bottle of wine retreat to the sinkhole for some peace. Dev contemplates slave labour. PC Tinker will see himself out. Our moment of the week was <laughs> it took us four minutes to land on this, but it was Nina talking Evelyn into pumping Arthur. And our boring moment of the week was Billy's meeting with the bishop. And that was Coronation Street and the talk of the street this time last year. So Craig saw himself out he again. Went, and there was he, a different... He just loves to back out of a room. Or into a hedge. <laughs> yeah, he was... Um, he went through a phase of just removing himself from situations and yeah. seeing him... I'll see, I'll see myself out. Yes. Which he continues to do. I'll leave you guys to it. <laughs> Shall we dive in, my dear? Yes, please. Our first storyline tonight is Return of the Abbey. On Monday, Kev's asleep on the couch when who should sneak in through the back door? But not like that. But Abbey. Mm-hmm. It's Abbey. Yeah. Abbey's back. It reminded me of that, uh, of the... 
scene where Abby was the one sleeping on the couch. That's right. Yeah. Kev explains how he and Jack have missed her so much. She didn't want to hurt them, but knows that she has. She needed to clear her head, but she's not been on the muck. She pro- promises him that much. She spent his two grand on accommodation and food, and she promises to pay him back. Kev points out it was their wedding money. She tells him she never left because of him, <laughs> even though that's exactly what she said at the time. Two grand. That's their wedding money. Mm-hmm. Mm. You get married in two grand. I suppose. Nobody does, but you can. <laughs> Kev has been buying jelly babies because Abby's back. He bumps into Debbie and shares the good news, but she's more angry about what Abby's pulled him through. Kev insists it's a fresh start, so Debbie melts a bit and offers him a free takeaway up to a value of £15 each. <laughs> As a bistro, Jack is wondering why they're getting extra takeout. He's a little bit dim, so Kev reveals that Abby's back. Abby's back. Abby's back. She's just off seeing Sally, apparently. Jack is super happy about this development, even more so when Kev says that he can't wait to get the wedding back on track. And Debbie here advises a little bit of caution and yeah, patience. Yeah, let's cool your dreads there, Grandpa. <laughs> but Abby's not with Sally. She's at a bus stop in the middle of nowhere, taking possession of a gun from Kez and announces her plan to shoot ITV Corey in his stupid fucking face. See, this is something that I just just love about the UK. It's the bus stops in the middle of nowhere. There are bus stops in the middle of nowhere. I know. I love it. I wish I wish we had a better public transportation system in this country where you would have bus stops in the middle of nowhere. Here. There was a bus from Carnshore to Stirling that took about Oh, maybe 50 minutes. It's only like 15 miles away. Mm-hmm. It goes a long way around through little mining villages and stuff. But there's this one bus stop that must be at least a mile away from the nearest house. Right. And people got off at that stop. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, like one of the things I really liked, well, I can't say I really liked about sex education, but one of the funny things, one of the things that amused me was the fact that they have a bus station, a bus stop, like in the woods that like, all these kids go to. There's bus stops in the middle of nowhere and there used to be phone boxes in the middle of nowhere as well. Yeah. Just serving nobody. Well, you know, that's how the how the doctor gets around. So those are police boxes, not phone boxes. Sorry. Yeah. Bad <laughs> reference. So she takes the gun home and hides it in a tin. Superman's then, nude a lot. I don't know if that's better. And then leaves it just before Kevin and Jack get home with dinner and welcome home banners. So Abby comes back in and is thrilled to see Jack and they hug. And it made me jolt a little bit seeing them hug. People see? are complaining today about people being socially distanced from people still. Mm-hmm. I kind of don't notice that anymore. But what I do notice is when people touch each other and it freaks me out. Stop doing it. See, that didn't bother me until... I really thought about it until I saw other people, you know, saying it was it was the hug that really got to me. I don't know why. I guess because you don't really see them hug. You see them hug, but you don't like see like their whole body hug. What do you think? Their legs are like six feet apart <laughs> from each other. I don't. I don't know. But you know, I have I have been jolted by, and again, maybe it's because I've seen other shows recently where people are doing a lot more than hugging oh. I, I i did just mention Helen's sex education. On the porn again. 
Abbey's in the world of her own, <laughs> thinking about guns and shooters and ITV Corey's brain splatter pattern. Jack wants her to promise never to leave again. And when Abby can't do that, Jack tells her that he hates her and runs away. Yes. Kev explains that Jack's confused, and so is Kev, but Abby doesn't want to make promises she can't keep. Right, yeah. But and it's a meaningless platitude, right? You just well, say it. You don't have to mean it. No, but she's she's traumatised by her past where she would say to Seb that everything was going to be all right or she would be right back, and then she wouldn't be. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she's still got a lot of trauma... She still had a lot of trauma on her before Seb was brutally murdered. And now she has the brutal murder of her son on top of all of that. All of these people are just really unfair to her as far as her mental health is concerned. Mm. I think it's kind of exaggerated a little bit because Jack looks like he's in his late teens and not 11 years old. Right, yeah. This is this is the problem when, when a kid who's playing 11... It's taller than Kev. Hits, hits his growth spurt because he's actually, like, what, 14? Yeah, something yeah. like that. They, they, need to, they need to put him back in his wheelchair. That's what they need to do. <laughs> right. Abby leaves and Jack is locked If the away. show has remembered that he only has one it, leg. It does remember, shush. <laughs> Abby leaves and Jack has locked himself in his room. <clears throat> but not like that. Debbie has appeared and is still... Disappointed and angry with Abby, Kev points out that Abby is going to need more time getting over Seb. Imagine that. It's been like all of what? Four months, five months, and she's still not, not over even. it. Fuck's sake. So later. Get over your dead. See, people do this to her the way they did it to Nina. Get over the fact that this person that you loved very much was brutally murdered. Mm-hmm. So later, Debbie gives Abby a lecture about upsetting Jack. Who has spent, Fuck you, Debbie. Who has spent the evening crying. Fuck you, Debbie. He's 28 years old. Why come back if you can't commit to staying? She wonders what else is going on with Abby. <laughs> what's going on inside that head? Abby keeps him and Debbie tells her to make her fucking mind up and then leaves. So Abby goes to make some hot chocolate when Jack comes through and tells her just ignore Debbie. Abby apologises. She doesn't know what the future holds. So she's reluctant to promise anything. And this does seem to satisfy Jack. And he takes a hot chocolate offer quite happily, leaving Abby looking pensive. On Wednesday, Kevin and Jack are off for Jack's big race, but Abby stays at home researching ITV Corey. Nina comes in to see how she's doing. She just wanders in. Mm-hmm. The sheer frustration that Seb's still dead and ITV Corey's still free. Through the discussion, Nina worries that Abby's uh, reluctance to arrange the wedding suggests that she won't be sticking around. So Kev, who has come back for Jack's lucky sock... <laughs> <clears throat> Find his lucky sock, not his lucky pair of socks, just one lucky sock. Hey, well, it was only got one foot. You're complaining about them not remembering. His, his, his. Oh no, because he's wearing his running prosthetic, so that wouldn't have a foot for. Oh, okay, never mind. You want to put a sock on his <laughs> artificial foot? Well, if it was like his regular artificial foot, not like his running foot. Because his running foot would obviously not fit in a sock, but like a regular... Uh, Let's move on. Yeah. Kev announces that a hotel in town can slip them in next month, and all she has to do is turn up. She doesn't even have to be involved in any of the planning, which right, is what, what a, a woman wants to hear, is that you don't a, have to be involved in anything to do with your wedding. Yeah. You just have to turn up. Yeah. And leave it's it, one of Debbie's hotels. And leave it up to Kev. Yeah, 
let's let's go back to that hotel where sex beast Ray Weinstein uh, tried it on with several uh, people, including right. Abby. In, in, yeah. Let's get married there. Yeah. Yeah, sure. No, Abby's in Royal Where she confronted that sleazebag. No, 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 wait. That was Nina. Never mind. Now Abby's in Royal Road being secretive about a notebook and she snaps at Nina, who will not stop fucking asking how she is. She leaves and bumps into Asha, who asks her to hang out, but Nina snaps at her to fuck off and leave her alone. Right, yeah, it's funny that Nina is like all affronted when she does the exact same thing. Although, I, in her case, I feel like it's justified because I think she's been very clear with Asha that she does not want to get in a relationship right now. Mm-hmm. And Asha is definitely asking her out on a date, not just for a friend hang. Yeah, and is this Roy's fault? Because Roy was the one who kind of insisted to Asha that she keeps an eye on on Nina and checks in to say hey every now and again. Right, but that's because Roy doesn't understand the heart of a teenage girl. Right. <laughs> you can tell that by looking at him. <laughs> So on Friday, Nina is reading the Weather Gazette's back page. It seems that ITV Corey is a transfer target for a team in Germany who are keen on taking him on a trial. Yeah, he's just played his very first game and he's already they're already speculating that he's going to get transferred to Germany. I am so confused over the stature of Weather County because they make out sometimes that there are there are kind of lower level, right, like tier three right. English football. They were playing, who was it, Shrewsbury in the Cup. Right. But that's kind of similar level-ish right. that you'd expect. But then sometimes they have them playing, they have great European nights. Right. Which would suggest that they're kind of successful. Unless it's like third-tier German teams. I'm sure they have third-tier German teams Oh, in of Germany. course they do. But to get, your, to get a, a player to go on trial to a, a team in Germany seems quite unusual and even more unusual if you're a team of some merit right so, so i don't i don't know and also if and i think they're careful not to say if he, the how name good of the where the county team. are and, right. and, and what this team is right yeah and also why they would be interested in a kid who's only played one match scored one goal scored one goal 100 rate rate so far i wonder if it's a team that dr schmidt supports <laughs> Roy, in his cleaning, has come up with a pink notebook that he thinks belongs to James. Not because it's pink, but because it's got training times in it. And right. Nina takes a book to speak with James, who might recognise no, it. Yeah, Who's it is, if it isn't his. Bernie, who has a gay son, is the one who makes kind of a homophobic remark that it must be James's because it's pink and sparkly. Way to go, Bernie, being homophobic. Is that homophobic? Yeah. Is it? It's kind of insinuating that all gay men are effeminate. Kev isn't having a great day, what with ITV Corey's German opportunity and Debbie's demands for an upfront payment for the wedding catering. He explains that Abby spent the wedding fund, so Debbie sees if she can find any wriggle room, but she's not all that happy that this money has been spent by our Abby and is very keen to right. know, well, what did she spend it on? Where was she staying? In the Ritz? Two grand is not going to get you very far for, like, what, a week and a half? Oh, she was away for longer than that, wasn't yeah. she? Yeah, yeah. It takes all. It takes money to be out in a boot. It does. And also, this was money from the joint account, so Abby has a right to that money just as much as Kev does. It was funny though that uh, she said that 
you know, it's the modern age. There are such things as joint accounts, you know. And I'm like, yeah. is that a modern thing, having a joint account? Yeah. Anyway, Asha comes along to Roy's rolls and checks on Nina, insisting that she's not after her hole. Asha wants to get the word out to the Germans, but a pragmatic Nina thinks that they're running out of time. We must alert the Germans. Fair as the papers. Shout Sasha. <laughs> when Asha wanders off, Nina checks the notebook and finds Germany underlined at the end. Whose book could this be? Hmm. So Nina goes to the garage to see Abby, but Kev tells her that she's probably at home. Secretly, though, Nina has been re- reading some writing on the garage whiteboard that says, Mr. Osborne is a fanny. <laughs> and the capital letters match with the capital letters in the book. It's a clue. Dum, it, dum, dum. This book belongs to Tyrone. See, Nina needs to go and work at, at uh, Addie and Amy's detective agency now, too. Mm-hmm. She can be their Velma. I feel looking at her gun as you do. And she quickly has to put it away when Nina's at the door and she's full of accusations. Abby's stalking ITV Corey. She's sure of it. And is paying someone mm-hmm. off to kneecap him or kill him, ain't you? And Abby can't meet Nina's gaze. Nina realises that she's actually not paying anyone off at all. She's going to do it herself. Nina worries that Abby is becoming unhinged. Nina wants justice, not revenge. She wants him in jail and she wants him watching his life ebb away while other people have great opportunities and get on with their lives and have children and stuff. And that was our point about we hope that he doesn't die because that's not justice. Right. She gives Abby until the end of the day to turn in the gun and cancel this hit. Or she'll grasp Abby up in a heartbeat and she has the notebook as evidence. Oh, pig stits, says Abby. Hmm. Then back in the cafe, Roy is playing with himself. What? At Scrabble. In comes Nina and plays Karma, which is so on the nose it comes away with a bogey. Roy explains what Karma is to the gods of plot and this puts a bug in Nina and she goes off for a walk. And she goes to see Abby, who admits that she hasn't returned the gun. Nina has Abby's sympathy and hands the notebook back. She isn't with Abby, but won't stop her. She trusts that Abby will back out. Abby promises that she will do no such thing, and she will spit on ITV Corey's corpse. And unbeknownst to them, Roy is watching this exchange take place. Yeah, but I don't think he can hear them. I don't think he hears their words. He sees something getting handed over. Yeah, the notebook. Something that's pink. Yeah. So he sees a notebook and he's already had a little flick through the notebook and he kind of knows what's in the notebook. So I think a Royston can put start put these pieces together and start coming up with something approximating hmm. the truth here. Hmm. Don't you think? Maybe. I think it's important. He's a smart guy. We don't see him seeing it for no reason. Right. Yeah. So I wonder true. if he's going to be attempting to keep Nina out of whatever is is going to be going on. Talking of which, what do you think is going to be going on? We're building up to this super this soap week, week next week, which is next which I'm week. not looking forward to. I'm not looking forward to it at all because lots of things are going to happen next week that I don't approve of. Oh, right. oh you know? Well, it's it's been insinuated that things are going to happen that I don't approve of, and also I just I don't want potentially Abby to kill ITV Corey. Right. Do you think she is? I think she's going to try, but I don't think she's going to manage it. No, because so I think, I think right. yeah. And we're 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 talking up that rucksack now 
So I believe oh, that's talking about coming the rucksack, up. I didn't really mention that much in my notes, but the, all of a sudden everybody remembers. Like all of a sudden, Roy, who I yelled at last week for not being supportive and trying to like actually do something that might help, mm-hmm. is now saying, "Let's go take a walk and see if we can find that rucksack." Right. It's like this would have been helpful last week instead of telling her that it's hopeless. And that wasn't the only uh, mention of it. I don't no, think there was it a wasn't. Couple there was a couple of mentions by a number of different people. So one has to imagine that the it's going to resurface. Yes. Oh, let's hope so. <sighs> I haven't seen much in the way of what is planned for next week. I've seen a couple of the trailers, and mm. I, I understand that the Horror Nation Street is the kind of theme for it. Right. Which I find a little reminiscent to the uh, to Christmas the fair. Christmas fair, yeah. That they had a couple of Christmases ago. Yeah. Yeah. Old Shona was shot. Yes. The death and of became, old Shona. And became new Shona. Mm-hmm. Which I still haven't really got over. <laughs> but yeah, there's kind of the, you know, the, there's the, uh, the, the Halloween aspect of it means, there's, I guess, there's going to be lots of people in masks and we're not going to be sure who is who and what if two people are wearing the same mm. mask and mistaken identity and all that sort of thing. I would imagine. And the same gender and the same height. But maybe. From what I've seen of the visuals of it, it's very dark. It looks, it looks pretty awesome. I think. It I think it looks great. Very dark. Mm. I don't know. I just, I much rather they just invested in in writing good stories, <laughs> well, and not and not and not relying on stunts. Well, if this was the the Christmas fair thing from two Christmas Christmases ago, which you know stuff happened. That Derek guy got shot, right. and Gary didn't get found out, and. Old right. Shona died, but then last Christmas was very much a character-driven. Right, and it was died. nice. I liked it. It was brilliant. It was great. I loved last Christmas. It was so good. So I, I much, I much prefer the character-driven stuff to the stunts. I really, and I know. I roll my eyes every time a gun appears because. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When when um when Abby is first handed that gun, I was just like, oh look, it's a gun. Wrapped up in newspaper. Surprise, like a, surprise. Like or a like a supper. rag. Right. You know, it's like, come on. Not this again. And these shows, guns feel like the easiest way out. Right. Let's just throw a gun into the mix. Right. Rather than having to come up with a demise some other way. Which insinuates that it's easy to get a gun in the UK. But I am to understand that it is not easy to get a gun in the UK. Well, it wouldn't be easy for you and I to get a gun in the UK. I guess it's easy for some people to get a gun in the UK. Yeah. But it's not as easy as, as for me to get a gun here. It's it's an island. There's only so many guns on it. I mean, I've got, what, I think I've got five hours left on this memory card. It's conceivable that we could leave this recording and I could go and get a gun and come back. Yeah, absolutely. And still finish this podcast. Yep. I'll be right back. <laughs> So anyway, uh, yeah, because Tim's dad died without real justice being served, and I'm Cal, hoping that's enough for and Cal yeah. didn't get justice. Poor Paul did not get justice, did not get the closure that he needed. I'm hoping that that's enough that ITV Corey is feeling. Uh, he escaped justice as well. Yeah, yeah. The show lets the baddies off by murdering them. Especially the men. Mm. Rick the Chin. Dead. 
Bree Weinstein got got justice. Yeah, I guess. Nathan got justice for his uh, Bethany exploitation thing. Mm. But yeah, it's enough. It's enough. enough. And do we really want to see a grown woman murder a teenage boy, or an actor playing a teenage boy? Yeah, not not so much. No, we don't want to see that. Oh well, let's move on then. Just very, very briefly, it was almost like we need something to fill up Monday. Our next story is Curry Wars. Oh yeah, it was weird that this this only got like a little bit. Got four scenes on Monday in the community garden. Hashim is giving Zidane a hard time about being a wuss about the money laundering thing. What did my daughter see in you? He says, face of a fish, brains of a beetle, hair of a Lego character. Hashim gives, Zidane, a, Hashim gives Zidane a quick CBT on the ins and outs of money laundering, which seems to help. But if you can't hide it from your family, says Hashim, you'll need to get them on board or I really will kick the absolute fuck out of you. And Zidane promises to take care of it. He lands in on Sweetdal <sighs> to find Navid back in the kitchen. Do we get a vote in this? Do we get a vote? Can we vote for getting the shit kicked out of him? <laughs> Yasmin explains it was her decision to put Navid back in the kitchen and because of the number of covers, Zidane will also be needed in there. He wants to get more into the finances of the business, but Yasmin stands firm. This is her territory, not his. Know your place. And this kind of puts the kibosh on Zidane's plans to money launder, really. Or money launder, if you prefer. Yeah, he's going to have to figure out another way to do it. Mm Mm-hmm. Later, Alia explains that all Yasmin heard earlier when Zidane was going on about the books was Tim's dad calling her a fucking idiot. Maybe wind your neck in for a bit now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was all that fair happened. Fair point. That was all that happened in that storyline. Absolutely fair point, though, from yes, from uh, Alia. Alia was right. He did come back thinking that he was Charlie Big Potatoes. Yep. And he can just swan back into this business that he, right? he's kind of given away. Mm-hmm. Become the, the big I am. The big Zidane I am. Uh-huh. She's having none of it. Nope. And Yasmin is absolutely not interested in, in humouring him. Grandson or no grandson. Correct. But that's all we learn. There's nothing really much more. No. No, it's kind of a nothing burger this week. Just swallowed up by all of the other stuff, setting up stuff that's going to happen next week. Which we've been doing for like two or three weeks now. <sighs> we've been in setup mode. And I, I'm starting to feel it. I think that's why I'm quite excited about it finally coming into fruition next week is that we're done with setup now. We can finally get on and do it. Yeah. Rick the Chin will still be buried in the woods, though. <laughs> Although, no, he's not in the woods now. We don't know where he is. Well, we assume that he's not. Maybe he's in a different part of the woods or a different woods. A different woods, I would think. Still, so I mean, they're... stuffed in wherever Gary's staying these days. There's... Where's Gary staying? Isn't he back with Maria? I don't think so. Yeah. Wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe stuffed in a flat somewhere. We have we have storylines that haven't wrapped up in like two years. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Think of the payoff though when we when we finally do. Think of the relief. Uh, The tension and that that unresolved cord is going to finally come like a hundred episodes later. Yeah, maybe. Good stuff. Let's move on then to Dev's Triangle. Yeah. On Monday, Natasha and Sam are back. Yay, I guess. They're getting Brecky and Roy's roles as they chat about how much Sam loves being in Weatherfield and near his extended family. Yes. 
That was sweet. That was sweet. It's also maybe a little foreboding. He even mentioned Harry. Right. <laughs> he remembered that he had a cousin named Harry. You could imagine that. Right, going through, going through the script. Who's Harry? Oh, that <clears throat> Dev bumps into Natasha outside the salon and remembers that she's a hairdresser. He explains that the salon is empty and Natasha might be interested in buying it. Dev points out that he owns the Seafood Emporium and the Grilled Steak Eatery, so let him know if she has any questions. Right. Natasha plays and along the and then reveals that she has salons in Manchester and that London, so thank you very much. Yeah. I will not be taking any advice on business from you, sir. You can fuck the right off good, there. Good day to you. I say good day. I'm really needing new glasses because I'm running out of the progressive bit. (laughs) When is your appointment? I start November. Okay. I was worried that you'd missed it because of quarantine. But it's like I'm leaning back further and further (laughs) to read what's on the table in front of me. In the pub later, Dev buys Natasha a drink to apologise for mansplaining business to her earlier. Bernie is there and her curiosity is piqued by this exchange. The three of them are talking about kids when Natasha gets a call to pick up Sam and she leaves, promising the drinks are on her next time and Bernie watches on carefully, which brings us on to this week's Hard Debate. Like we, this week's Hard Debate was a suggestion from Scriptocene. Ah, thank you, Scriptocene. It looks like Dev is about to be spoiled for choice here, but who would you like to see Dev take to his next fancy golf members club function if... <laughs> You know what you I You know mean. what I mean. Natasha, Bernie, Gina, or Kim Tate from Emmerdale. <laughs> I'm glad that you remembered that Gina was a thing. I love Gina. I miss her. I've recently been watching the, the Gina Dev, the destruction of that relationship. Right. I still enjoy it. Mm. Who would you prefer? Kim Tate from Emmerdale. Yeah. That's what, I, that's what I would have went for. <laughs> but I also like Bernie. And I, I think I like Bernie and Dave together. See, I didn't go with Bernie because I think that Bernie would have the same problem Gina did with these fancy golf things. It's just too much for him. Yeah. Anyway, the voting went thusly. In fourth place, it was Gina with 4.3%. Poor Gina. Third place. Wow, that's what a decent chunk was Kim Tate from Emmerdale with 19.4%. Uh-huh. So it came down to a pretty much a firefight between Natasha and Bernie. And this was a close one. This is perhaps the closest that we've ever had. Second place was 36.6%. First place was 39.8%. Just Ooh. 3% in it. But in second place it was Bernie. And in first place it was Natasha. Yeah. I think I think because I think a lot of that has to do with the way that it was worded. I think if you had said... Who who would you rather Dev hook up with? It might have been Bernie on top. But because you specify the fancy golf thing, I think people are like, oh, who's actually going to maybe enjoy that? I'm not sure people read that much into anything that I write on Twitter. <laughs> well, I do. I pay attention to everything you write on Twitter. And where does that go? Yeah. On Wednesday, <laughs> Sam and Natasha are outside the salon <laughs> talking about changing it to another in the Blakeman's franchise. Audrey comes along and Natasha lies when asked about changing the name, although it turns out that she wasn't really lying because she wasn't going to call it Audrey's because first names are so blasé. Right. Second names are classy. Blakeman's. Audrey also sees Natasha has eyes for a passing dev. Yeah. 
And Deb is in the store chatting to Addy about Natasha's idea of buy two, get one free. And Natasha is great. And have I told you about my friend Natasha? She's so clever and so lovely. Mm-hmm. And out of your league, says Bernie, who wants to instantly take advantage of the special offer that she's got going if... Yeah, no, what I know mean. what I mean about that. Sam and Natasha are in Roy's Rolls when Gail comes and asks her to cough up that sinkhole money that she promised, remember? Yeah, remember when you promised to fix the sinkhole? And Natasha said, well, I thought you had it covered because you never came to me. <laughs> Which I guess is fair. I guess. But when Sam says the house could fall into that hole, Natasha agrees and she has to say, mm. well, bye-bye to the salon. Later, a careless Natasha walks into Bernie scrubbing the pavement outside Roy's Rolls. The chat about Dev and Natasha insists there's nothing going on there, which doesn't make Bernie exactly unhappy. Yeah. And Dev's, he's offering Bernie use of his calculator so she can work out how many three is, and she teases him with information about Natasha, mm-hmm. who, who she heard talking about him earlier. Yeah. Oh, really? Favorably. She definitely has a hot spirit, she says. Oh, yeah. And she likes men who are just full of themselves. <laughs> Dev starts <laughs> laughing himself with his paper and lets Bernie have her groceries for free. Right, and and she, she says that uh, that Natasha compared Dev to Omar Sharif. Mm-hmm. Especially in the bottom department. Yes, that he has a better ass than Omar Sharif. Mm-hmm. Now, given that the, does, man, the man's dead. Does, does, does Natasha know who oh, would... Well, Natasha doesn't know who Omar Sharif is. That's, that's the point. My mom had a crush on Omar Sharif. Everybody's mom had a crush on Omar Sharif. I think. <laughs> he played Bridge. That's all I could tell you about him. He played Bridge and he was in uh, Dr. Shivago. Outside, Natasha comes along to Dev, puts on his best Omar Sharif with two cocks outfit. <laughs> She's obviously confused until Dev insists to get to know each other better. So Natasha tells him she's not interested. Really not interested. No, seriously, not interested. Uh, and Dev sees Bernie pushing herself laughing further down the street. Right. Natasha does check out Dev's arse, though, and seems to approve. <laughs> Later, Dev tells tells Bernie how upset uh, she's made him, and he calls her jealous. Bernie thinks that he was old enough to be Natasha's dad, and she's completely over him. He wasn't all that anyway. Yeah. And it's kind of clear that the two of them are... I think destined. Yeah. In the same way, it's it's coming. Yeah, it's Remember a coming. Remember when it was it's a coming? It's a coming. I think this is it's a coming as well. So on Friday, this kind of splits into two. We have a dev bit and an Natasha bit. Let's talk about the dev bit first. In the store, Addy's looking for an advance in his wages because he wants to do something nice for Dev. Dev's in a bad mood because of the Natasha Bernie situation. Addy thinks Dev needs to broaden his horizons and that advance that he was talking about, this will help him prove it. Mm-hmm. Fresh air, fishing and fun, says Addy. He's been on cheekybreaks.com and found a caravan holiday that sounds swish. As soon as we're finishing this, I'm checking out to see if uh, cheekybreaks.com is available. <laughs> this may also take you to our podcast page. <laughs> it, was a spa on, it has a spa on site and where there's spas, there's women, and Dev's penis is intrigued by this. Also, there's mini golf, which seals the deal. Right. And Dev is officially excited about the caravan holiday. Mary takes particular interest in looking at the crapper online. <laughs> Dev thinks Addy deserves this break. He's such a low-maintenance kid, but this was all his idea, and it touches Dev's heart. Right, yeah. And and it's pointed out multiple times that... Uh, and he, he even admits the fact that he does not... He does not share his time with the twins equally. No. And that this is good. This will be like the first time that just he and Addy have gotten away, just the two of them. 
Davis confirmed that he's going to be paying for the booking. He's actually he's upgraded it to the Platinum Caravan. It's not a the caravan chalet. that's actually made out of Platinum, but this is a chalet, apparently. It's, yeah. a, it's, it's a static it's, caravan. It's, yeah, it's still up. <laughs> the two of them are going to have the best time. It's the first time that they've been away together. Just ever. the two of them. In comes Asha in a mood and doesn't want to talk about it. So Dev immediately abandons Adi to see what's up. And it turns out that it's Nina that's upset Asha from a previous storyline. I don't. I'm not sure how Nina's upset her. Right, Nina just said because Nina told her that she didn't want to go out on a date with her. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's why Asha's upset. Adi, though, he doesn't give a shit until no. Dev announces that the holiday for two is now a holiday, holiday for, for three. three. And Asha's not keen on the caravan, so Dev has booked him into a fancy hotel eight miles away from the quad biking in countryside, and Adi is disappointed that fishing is now off the agenda. Right, yeah. And the pisser is that this was all Adi's idea. Right. It wasn't like Dev had an idea and then changed it. Right. It was Adi's idea. Adi wanted to spend time, just him and his dad. Adi has been very honest with Dev about how he feels neglected mm-hmm. you know and yep. that asha takes precedent and it's just happened again and it just it makes me so mad i just i want to fly over there and take that boy fishing <laughs> it happens right under his nose it, right. it happens under his nose all the time yeah and no and you know at no point does Dev say to Asha, well, no, this is this is our, you know, this is my time with Addy. You know, oh, this was Addy's idea. Maybe we should check and see if Addy's okay with making all of these changes. No, he just lets Asha have whatever she wants. No wonder she's a spoiled brat who can't take no for an answer from anyone. Right. God, I just... No, I think ah. if Asha had been on board with the caravan uh-huh i think adi would have fine let her come right but it's the fact now that she's changed the entire thing this, right. this bears no resemblance to what was going to be happening this is now right. a shopping and a and there's no outdoor pursuits or anything that's going to be going right. on this is a, a completely different proposal well, he to what it was before. still going to do the quads supposedly it's eight miles away i don't think they're going to be doing that at all so so yeah it's the fact that if, I, if if Dev had allowed Addy to think and say, do you know what, do you want to invite her along as well? Mm-hmm. That would have been fine. Right. But it's the fact that the whole thing has just been completely no. turned upside down. Yeah, and why? Because some girl said no to Asha. And so this is... The fact that Dev does this all the time where whenever Asha's upset, we're just going to bend over backwards to make sure that Asha's happy again. And by the way, this is described as Nina leading Asha on or messing her about. Which she's not. She's doing the she's opposite of that. She's been very clear. <laughs> right. Very clear. I'm not ready to date. I don't want to date anyone. Not just you. Anyone. Mm. My boyfriend is still... Warmish, warmish in the ground. Look you know, warm. this is, you know, and it, it's not just that he dumped me or something like that. He was brutally murdered in front of my eyes. Mm-hmm. I just, it makes me so mad at Dev and so mad at Asha. And I just, because Addy is just the best of all of them, isn't he? 
yes. which is hilarious because it used to be the other way around where he was kind of an asshole. But he's outgrown that with a new face. I've, I've chosen to just ignore any old face Addy, and that's no disrespect to old Maddy. Well, it's a little disrespect, I guess. <laughs> but it's just that Addy started with Adam Hussein. Right. In a lot of respects. That's kind of how it feels. It's, it's a, he's grown and become yeah. more involved as a character yeah. than just being kind of on the periphery. So. Right. Just the annoying other, you know, annoying twin brother. Yeah, a, a generic kid on the show right. up to that point. So that's the, the dev bit. And the yeah. Tasha bit is... Gail is in Roy's roles with Audrey talking about Natasha coughing up for the sinkhole. She's paid Leo for materials now and the sooner it gets fixed the better because it's a death trap. It's been a death trap for a year. Yeah, yeah, seriously. This should have been fixed a long time. And see, this is the other thing that just kind of makes me roll my eyes about the stunts next week because you know there's going to be a sinkhole stunt and it's like if something was going to happen with that sinkhole, something if something tragic was going to happen with that sinkhole, it would have happened already. Audrey points out that this has put the kibosh on Natasha buying the salon. Tough shit, says Gail. <laughs> Audrey and Gail have moved on to the rovers now and are joined by Natasha and it shampers all round. Audrey's taking Gail for a weekend break to that London and Natasha offers to give them a lift because she's gone down but she has to come back because it's Nation Street and she doesn't want to miss that for Sam. It's time to celebrate because Audrey's paying for the sinkhole so Natasha can buy the salon after all. Huzzah! Natasha rushes off to put the wheels in motion and Audrey necks Natasha's champagne. Yeah, because she's let's remember... She's not teetotal anymore. She's, she's, back, she's a lush. She's back on the booze. Right, she complains because there's only three lasses on the table. Natasha's <sighs> taking pics of the salon and because her name has been mentioned three times in another storyline, Leanne turns up with Nick fresh from their holly bobs. And it turns out Natasha has a key for the flat that she's ready to return, but there's no rush, says Nick. And why do I feel like I'm being played here? That's as far as we get with that double dunter of a storyline. Natasha's going to die, isn't she? I, I, I don't think it's looking good for her. And I'll explain why I don't think it's looking good for her. It's not looking good for her because at the start of the week, she and Sam are talking about how important it is to have family nearby in Weatherfield and how much right. Sam loves to come to Weatherfield. Right. What a strange thing to say, I think, to myself. Well, he is, he is, a, he is a child who speaks his mind and is unusually artic- articulate. And then there's a whole her involvement with the, the sinkhole stuff and the involvement with the salon thing. Right. Is it, it seems unusual to have an interest in two things that apparently cost round about the same amount of money. Hmm. But that in itself is a little bit suspicious. Yeah. But then this bit at the end where it's almost like they threw it in in the hope that nobody would notice it. Uh-huh. That here's your key. Oh, no, it's okay. You can give it back to me later. Why does she have a key in the first place? Maybe and, and maybe why, she was watering their plants. And why does Nick not just take the key back when she offers? It's well, because they do share a son. So I would think that she would need a key to his place, like if he's if she's dropping him off there at some point. How many of your ex husbands have keys to this house? My ex-husbands are over 800 miles away. They don't live in the neighbourhood. If they lived in the neighbourhood, it might be different. No, it might not. (laughs) I think we'd be finding a very similar arrangement to the one that we've got just now. No keys for you. Yeah, so I don't don't know. Leanne seemed 
a little put out by the idea of Natasha being in the neighborhood more, didn't she? It's good for Nick and it's good for Sam, and I think she's made a piece for that a little bit. Yeah, she did. She did have a look on her face though at some at when uh, Natasha mentioned that she was buying the salon. It's nice to see Leanne back. Though. It's been ages, isn't it? She was across the street when Norris's corpse went by. It hasn't been that long, Gav. Well, that's a joke. Ben Price, though. Good to see him. Because it has been a while. A couple of weeks. I'm just glad they gave those two something of a vacation. Yeah. So, I don't know. There were just far too many bits of her storyline that were they were too weird to not have a reason. Right, like, yeah, and the whole, ooh, is Natasha and Dev going to get together? They just want to put Dev with somebody, don't they? Right. Yeah. And it's weird that Bernie seems to care that Dev has feelings for Natasha when I thought that they were both very clear with one another that they didn't want to be in a relationship anymore. <sighs> Bernie gives the impression that that's how she is but I think she's far more in need for human affection than she gives the the impression of. Don't you think she gets enough human affection in that house she lives in with a million other people? Have you seen those people? <laughs> One of them's Chesney. <laughs> yes, but then like the other half are her grandchildren whom she su- supposedly loves. Hmm. Enough to yell at deaf ladies. But yeah, that's a thought though, isn't it? It's your grandmother to quads. You want to become stepmother to twins? <laughs> Oof. Well, yeah, well, she has some experience in raising twins. It was funny this in that true. it was mm-hmm. funny in that whole conversation because when Bernie said when Bernie joined it, I thought she was gonna talk about her own twins. The fact that she also had twins. But instead she goes immediately to the quads. Yeah. I thought that was a, a an interesting choice. I, I think they're deliberately making Bernie forget her backstory quite a bit. <laughs> I, I hope, if that's the case, I hope it's true. I hope they are making her forget about it. Yeah. That's kind of funny that she forgets her backstory. Yeah. I wish she would call Gemma Gemini again and Paul Apollo. Mm-hmm. That was fun. And the recent uh, Corey from 2017 where Gemma has met Henry Newton for the first time. Remember Henry? No. You don't? Yes, you do. You're the posh guy. You bought the Rovers for her. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, God, that guy. Yes. Oh, I hated that guy. <laughs> I quite like that guy. but <laughs> Of course you do. But that part is is, uh, is just happening. Them, those two meeting each other and and she's she treats them like... Uh, Prince Charming, right? You know, yeah, and the Cinderella sort of thing, and she, he thinks that she's called Jemima, and so she has to correct him and say that the, her name is actually Gemini, but you can call me Gemma. And I thought the whole Gemini thing—I forgotten all about that. I uh-huh. thought that just came from Bernie, but no, it's it's, no, it's there. No, it's, 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 it's it's canon. canon. It is canon. Oh, see, that's Jinx, why we're married. You owe me a coke. <laughs> Let's move on to the next storyline, which is Daisy Chain. On oh, Monday. Oh, God, Gav. In the rovers, Daisy is moping about Daniel. Just call it human centipede. Then in comes, yeah, because that's better. Then in <laughs> comes Leo, who every time I look at him, I see Super Nanny Joe Frost with a lovely box of flowers. Arshborn, smorshborn, says Jenny. Oh, you shouldn't have, says Daisy. 
So Daisy goes off for a vase while Leo reveals to Jenny that he'd heard her say she was sworn off men and he thought that that was a great loss to mankind. Jenny now thinks that he's only saying this to butter her up so he can get into Daisy's pants and Leo is becoming frustrated at Jenny's willful stupidity at this. Right, yeah, and yet he doesn't correct them then and there. No. Why, why, why not? Why, why not just say, oh no, no, those are for Jenny, not for you. Right. Just say it. Say it and then it's done and right? then it's over. You don't have right? to say it again. Right? Daisy is fair away with herself with the flowers. Jenny doesn't see Daniel producing no flowers for her and Daisy agrees, deciding to give Leo a chance after all. Then in the back, Daisy is commenting on how she might let Leo take her out for tapas when she finds a card in the flowers, which finally makes it clear that he's after Jenny. Yeah. Jenny is astonished. Yeah, because her name's not Jay-Z. <laughs> and Daisy breaks down a little bit. Because Jay-Z is married to Beyonce. That's right. Or Solange's big sister, as I like to call her. <laughs> that's, the right, that's the right response. On Wednesday, Johnny's in Roy's rolls to hear Daisy berating... Jenny about her lack of interest in sinkhole Leo. Jenny has no desire to be a cougar, thank you very much, and this seems to surprise and also sadden Johnny. Then sinkhole Leo comes into the rovers to explain about the flowers to Daisy and how they were really for Jenny and do you think she'd date me? And Jenny, unbeknownst to him, is, is hiding under the tubes. Right, she's cleaning well, out she, the pipes. Yeah, but not like that. And explains her hesitancy. Leo thinks that she should... Leo thinks that they should get to know each other a bit more before deciding that they're incompatible. Mm-hmm. In Roy's roles, Beth is press ganging Carla and giving her a shot at uh, management. So Carla agrees finally to let her sit in on the next meeting. Johnny is still there from earlier at a loose end, so Carla asks him if he wants to come back to the factory as a consultant mm. and be part of this uh, this meeting that they've got set up. Right, because the guy's a misogynist and only talks to men. Mm-hmm. And therefore loves Johnny. Right. The meeting is at the Bistro. Johnny is a man. The meeting is at the Bistro because... We think. Sure. Johnny's put a comb through his hair and changed out of his jammies. Beth is, who's that girl era Madonna? And in comes Trevor, a bit of a shitbag according to Carla, but he loves his Johnny. And Beth is bored with this old boys club so goes off for a shite. Johnny is trying to sell the benefits of dealing internally after Brexit. When Jenny comes in with sinkhole Leo and he clams up, leaving Carla to have to finish the Not the himself. only reference to Brexit we get this couple week. A couple of references, yeah. yeah. So is Carla, Brexit is the new American. So, so is Pop Carla culture. is closing the deal. Leo is doing his best to close one of his own, uh-huh. telling Jenny how hot she is and how he wants to bed her. In bed. And Jenny you know blushes. What I mean. Or was that a hot flush? Oi. Beth's contribution is to eat Trevor's fish and chips. And then Trevor nips off for a shite while Beth comments how embarrassing that was. And Carla says, I know you don't eat people's fish no, and chips. No, Johnny was fucking embarrassing. She doesn't eat it. She wants to take it away in a dog in a doggy bag for Kirky for his tea. <laughs> Johnny and Jenny meet up in the back of the rovers and he gives his blessing to her about Leo, not that she was asking. Fill your boots, he says. Then Leo comes back with some vino, so Johnny makes his excuses and leaves. Right. Uh, although he does say, we should, do, do you want to go and, and get a drink and talk a little bit? And Jenny's Not like, realizing no, I'm that kind of about to get my hole here, so She's still sorry. on her date. Like, Johnny's heading home and decides to creep out Natasha and Sam, and then gets all maudlin about Aiden, who's dead, and Kate, who's on the other side of the world. Natasha explains to Johnny about planes. And Johnny explains to Natasha about pandemics. 
Oh, no, that didn't happen. So Leo and Jenny's date continues, and Leo is very keen to get his hole. Jenny's practically shagging him at this point anyway, so off they go to get their holes. Yay! On Friday, Peanut is doing a shite on the pavement while (laughs) Beth watches single Leo leave the rovers and a swooning Jenny bids farewell at the back of him. Wearing, like, a nightgown? Outside? I thought it was like a negligee. Yeah, but still. Is that a negligee? She's wearing the right it. Word? Yeah, she's wearing it out in public. <laughs> On the street. Daisy crops up behind Beth and tells her to wind her tongue in, so Beth forces peanuts droppings down Daisy's throat. <laughs> in the factory, Beth is bitching about Jenny and Leo when Johnny wanders by and chastises the pair of them, Beth calling him Butsinski and reminds everyone, Carl included, that Johnny's only consultant, emphasis on con. And this makes Johnny start to cry and he leaves. So Carla tracks him down in the rovers and apologises on Beth's behalf. But Johnny knows Carla can run the place on her own. Beth was right, but don't tell her. He's been stuck. He needs to start living for himself now. He has two beautiful daughters, a bit of wedge in the bank and Paul Newman's eyes. He wishes Jenny nothing but the best, but he needs to be further away than round the corner. It's time to spread his wings. Life's too short for this old, old man. (laughs) I like this Carla person. She's going places. It's a very interesting new character, this Carla. I wonder what her backstory is. I don't know. Hmm. Hmm. If only there was a way to find out. But, yeah. you know, Corypedia just, hmm. just draws a blank on the matter. Hmm. So there we go. Yeah. You know, I get that predominantly she is there for comic relief. But I do kind of hate it when they they use characters like Beth and, and Bernie to to point out slight class differences between characters. And, oh, you know, poor people are funny because they don't know how to behave at the table sort of thing. Mm. You know, a little bit of that goes a long way. It's, it's interesting to see Beth wanting to, taking an interest in management. Out of the that, blue. Yeah, that's never happened before. She thinks that she's too good to be a machinist. Well, she does own a portion. No, she, no doesn't she doesn't own a portion. No, she doesn't. She doesn't even own part of the proper, the factory anymore. She knows. She owns fuck all. No. She owns Kirky. That's it. Yeah, Kirky's still got his share. Yeah. I think. Yep. The ownership of that factory is just legendarily confusing. <laughs> Nobody knows. Yeah. And gee... How old? How old are we making Johnny now? Gosh, they they treat him like he's older than Ken. <laughs> it was nice. It was nice. He's of, in his sixties, I think. It was nice of Johnny to point out that you know, when when Jenny's doing the whole oh you know, I'm worried about what people would think. It's nice that Johnny pointed out. Well, you know. People were thinking the same thing when you and I first got together. Yes, they were. And and Jenny carried a kind of gold digger uh, title above her head for, for quite some time during all that. Yeah. Because she couldn't possibly be after him for him. She has to be after him for his money. Right. Not those Paul Newman eyes right. that, that apparently are, are there somewhere. I guess it's Paul Newman from the label of Salsa <laughs> rather than the actual man. I think that's who he must be talking about, right? That his eyes look like medium strength salsa. <laughs> I presume that's what they're talking about. Not one of the salad dressings. 
Well, we had the salsa this week, which is what, what made me think of it. Uh, it's pretty good. Yeah, good stuff. <laughs> Go all all the money goes to charity. Yeah. So what else is going on here? So th- this Leo character, what do you think? Of, what do you think of Leo for Jenny then? I kind of like it. I don't think the age looks that it's, bad. No. It, it's, it's, it exists, right? It, yeah, it exists, but it's not significant. You know, it's not like it's not like Abby and Kev. Let's be honest, right? Because that just still continues to creep me out. I don't know why, and I'm sorry, but it just it just does. Maybe if you had a shave and bought a new bomber jacket, you'd right. feel differently. It moisturized every once in a while. Right. He's not helping. No. That's what we're saying. He's really not. He's really not helping. helping. I mean, even you use moisturizer. Or maybe if Abby started to do crochet and, and c- collect wore glasses cats. and dyed her hair white. Right. No, she's got <laughs> business to bridge. take care of. She's got business to take care of. She's she's killing teenagers next week. Right. Yes. Ah. Yeah, I quite like Leo. I wonder what's wrong with him. Because <laughs> there's got to be something wrong with something. him, right? There's got to be something. Is he a gold digger? Or is he going to die in the sinkhole too? He's going to die in the sinkhole next week, isn't he? You've got to worry about a new character being introduced a, a couple of a couple of um, weeks before Super Soul Major Peach. disaster where people are going to die. They've promised us there will be death. So it's like, all right, who can who who whose contracts haven't been renewed in the past six months or so? Mm-hmm. And who's fairly new? You'd be worried if you were an actor getting given a gig like Coronation Street or Emmerdale or EastEnders two weeks before Super Soap Week. You're, you're fodder, really, so aren't you? What What is the significance of Super Soap Week? Is it like... Well, remember when they were doing, I think it was in May, when they would do the Britain's Got Talent thing and they'd have to change the schedule because of Britain's Got Talent. So schedule. it would be on every night of the week. Mm-hmm. maybe post watershed as well so they could get away with a little bit more and and that sort of thing so they would put in a big storyline there to kind of take advantage of it and I think it's been cancelled because of Covid over the past couple of years mm-hmm. so I think they're kind of slotting it into the, the Halloween-ish yeah. time of the year just to put in one of the their, their big autumn storylines kind of coming together right yeah it's kind of like sweeps here but it just it kind of feels like things like sweeps is becoming less and less of a thing when everyone's wa- nobody's watching anything on cable. I don't even know what sweeps is. What sweeps? I'm not quite sure myself. It's like a week where it's sweeps week where they they where all of the TV shows here like do their big storylines. That's typically when some huge natural disaster hits Seattle for Grey's Anatomy. Right. So. I don't know. I don't think they've ever called it super. Well, maybe they have. Super soap week. I don't. I don't know if that sounds a like a week where you get very, very clean. But they they shorten it to SSW, which always makes me think of South by Southwest, and it's not that. Or, or the, the women's SS. Yeah, it makes me think of that. Anyway, we approve of Leo so far, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, because again, you know, we're like, well, why didn't he just say right then and there about the flowers, about the mix-up? But it did kind of seem like he was trying to be nice and not embarrass Daisy. Here's what's getting me about this. 
Here's Uh-oh. what's making me not happy about this storyline. Uh-oh. Is that Daisy seems genuinely happy for, for Jenny. To be getting some young man hole, yeah. Or any hole. She's, yeah. she's, she's over as the moon as, happy about as it. As long as it's not Johnny. And I wanted Daisy to be upset about this. She does seem a little upset. But she not, gets over it very quickly. That's because she's still she's still after Daniel's ass. Hmm. For some reason. Oh, well. Let's move on to our penultimate storyline. Just even fewer scenes here than the one of uh, the, curry the, the Curry Wars. This is PC Tinker and his racism CBT. <laughs> on Monday, Michael and James are in Roy's Rolls waiting on one of Roy's famous baked potatoes when Craig comes in. Jacket se- potatoes. Sees them and then just walks backwards beep, back out of there. Beep, beep, beep. Michael and James look at each other. What the actual fuck just happened there? Why Why was his ass flashing red and making a beeping noise? <laughs> so, uh, this happens more than one occasion this week. It's, there was an awful lot going on in Roy's Rolls this week, it seemed. Yeah, very seemed, much so. We should have just had the entire week in Roy's Rolls. Would have saved money. But then they move on to the pub. And there was a bit of that going on as well. Moving on to the pub. Scene number one, you're in Roy's Rolls. Scene number two, you're in, in the, pub. the pub. And that's where James and Michael have moved on to when Craig comes in. And they challenge him on what happened earlier, and he didn't know what to say to them, but he promises to report conscious and unconscious bias in future. Sound, says James. Right. And that draws a line under that. Yes. And also, James and Michael try to mansplain potatoes to Bernie. <laughs> Which was just weird. You know, they, they talk to her, try to explain these jacket potatoes to her when she works there. She makes them. That's true. Right. It's like, why are you explaining to a woman who works there what Roy does with the potatoes? He scoops up, he scoops out the potato. And then he mixes it with the other thing. And then puts, and it, then back puts it back again. in again. That does sound delightful. That does sound delightful. That's maybe a wee idea for lunch tomorrow. Oh, we don't have any potatoes. We don't have any potatoes. Damn it. Or tuna. What does it say about a... Uh, the fuck was that? I think it was your laptop. It just took off. Yeesh. What does it say about policeman Craig? That he walks in and sees uh, a potential situation that makes him uncomfortable and then just walks back out again. Right, yeah. Well, I didn't know what to say. Hiya? Yeah. There's a start. Yeah. You don't have to say, you don't have to declare that you're not a racist every time you see a black person. Hi, still not racist. Craig walks still in sorry. With, his, with his non-racists for Trump t-shirt. <laughs> oh, well, although in fairness, if they lived in this country, Beth and Kirky would totally be red hats, wouldn't oh, they? Oh my gosh, yep. Mm-hmm. Beth especially Q and on And on And on, and on. <laughs> So that's that Again this is just filler There's no real purpose to that Apart from the fact that James has forgiven Craig now For being a horrible Twat. racist And not even that No Not really Well not for being a horrible racist But for covering for a horrible racist yeah. And lying for a horrible racist As opposed to defending his supposed friends Mm-hmm our final storyline tonight is Unlikely Proposal. On Monday, in Roy's Rolls, Toya gets a call about fostering a four-year-old girl. Imran's eyes pop out of his head. 
He's totally taken by surprise and then manages to pretend to be excited about it. Sabine is back in the law office with more demands from Imran and just ignores him when he protests. Otherwise, she needs info about Sharon from her foster mother, Rita something or other. Get on it, but not like that. She leaves as Adam comes in. And she seems to insinuate that he's really good with the old ladies. Right. Just like you. I'm good with old ladies. (laughs) I love you. How you doing? (laughs) Adam wants to slow down. Imran promises it doesn't affect the business, but Sabine's got him over a barrel because she knows he got his hole off of someone the night of the verdict. It's morally problematic, and Adam knows all about that sort of stuff. Adam's advice is to make the relationship work and go along with the blackmail while he can. So Imran goes to the rovers where Rita is slowly getting pished in the middle of the day. He quizzes her about Sharon under the guise of fostering. Rita goes through the litany of awful things that Sharon has done. She says she gets the occasional call or text from Sharon these days, but it's always from a new number. And then Rand's eyes pop out again, this time at Rita's phone. Right, yeah. But it's always a new number. So it doesn't, even if you wrote those numbers down, it would not help no. because it's always a new number. Imran pinches the phone while Rita's off doing a shite and when he tries to leave, the phone rings and he has to act like it was a simple mistake. Oh, I'm sorry, Rita, I picked up your phone and, so put, she, it, and put it in my pocket by mistake. Which is hilarious because that's that's a, that's a something Sharon did. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Gail, I accidentally picked up your iPad. That so has a picture of Sam on the front of it. Yeah, right, I'm so yeah. sorry. Imran gets home late explains that he was chatting to Rita who was dispensing fostering advice. He has a gift for them. It's a family tree for them to write the names of the kids that they foster and Toya is thrilled by this and Imran is definitely getting his hole later. Yeah, yeah. To be honest, that would probably work on me too if we were fostering kids. It was very sweet. On Monday. Monday. They make it very, they make it both easy and hard to hate Imran, don't they? Yeah, we'll get to that. Hmm. On Wednesday, Toya is making preparations for Elsie's arrival by making everything pink. She could use a hand, but Imran has work to do this morning, so he heads out, pausing at their weird window to look back wistfully at her. And at the law office, Imran is arguing with Sabine on the phone about getting phone numbers out of Rita, who, when he's interrupted by Sarah, who oddly wants to chat about the new foster kid. Give me my fucking numbers, shouts Sabine. <laughs> Imran bumps into Rita and Roy rolls and offers to find Sharon for her if she passes on the numbers that she has. Rita sees through it because it is that obvious and right. that bad. Yeah, and, and yet and yet when it was Sharon, she couldn't see through right. a paper bag. He admits that he's working a case that needs Sharon's input and Rita puts two and two together. You used to have integrity, she tells him. And she's very, very upset. Oh, and that, that phone thing, I guess that wasn't uh, yeah. really a mistake after all, was We're it, We're all very, very disappointed in you, Imran. I've heard what you put that poor Asha through. Yeah, see, Thanks. that was unfair. That was unfair. The whole Asha thing was unfair because Asha deserves it. Right. She deserves to be raked over the coals again and again and again and again because she's an awful human being. She's a bad girlfriend and a bad sister. And a bad, just friend, friend. Bad. And Devlets are going away with it. Because he's a bad dad. Well, but not as bad as Chesney. Who's the monster or here? Or Tyrone. Then? It's Chesney, let's face it. <laughs> Imran gets back to the law office. Sabina's there, wanting the numbers. And Imran tells her to suck a big old sack full of crusty old dicks. Because, quite <laughs> frankly, he is done here. Do your worst. Toya deserves to know... How loathsome I am. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he says. Yes. 
Sarah is now interfering with Toya. But not like that. With some kids' clothes and stuff. Toya's worried that Imran's heart isn't in it, but Sarah says, well, I spoke to him earlier and he seems to be really... Right, yeah. Yeah, it's not really interfering. She's she's brought some clothes over for Elsie, but which is very sweet. I, I don't know if, what's her interest in this. Because why, why did she go and see Imran in the first place? She was she was there to see Adam. Remember Adam that she's married to, who <laughs> also she? works out of the law office? It's I, his law office, I, I, Adam. I feel a Adam, little, his wife. I feel a little <laughs> foolish now asking that. Oh, God, sometimes. If you're going to cry, forget about it, says Sabine. Toya won't be hearing anything from me. Imran is shocked that he went through all this and now she's backing off just because he asked nicely. Be grateful, she says. Imran doesn't think he wants to be that guy. Sweetheart, says Sabine. You, you already, already are. are. So a glum Imran gets home. Toya worries it's about the kid, but Imran has some dire news for her. He admits to lying about his whereabouts the night of the verdict. He was having a one-night stand. Yes. With an anonymous woman. He claims he doesn't even know who it was with. And at that point you think, oh God, the the rumours are true then. Because if it's somebody who's anonymous starts with the letter A. If there's no name, then that Uh, means it's somebody we know. Yeah. Right. Right, fact, yeah, because you would think that he would at least remember the person's name. I don't know, some woman named Sue, who I just <laughs> happened to bump into at the bar. Sue. Yeah. Old drippy drawer Sue. <laughs> don't talk about my mother like that. Handing it out like it's falafel. <laughs> so, <sighs> he can't even remember anything about her. This Sue woman. And that's not even the best of it. Sabine knew and blackmailed him to work on Harvey's appeal. Okay, now you can be angry. (laughs) And it takes Toya a hot minute to take it all in. She trusted him. She loved him. He says that he was drunk. Well, not when you were helping Harvey, you weren't. Very good point. And you still wanted someone else. He says he still loves her. She says he's not the man that she thought he was. He wants to make it up to her. She doesn't think that he can. And she leaves. And the community garden Toya opens up to Peter about Imran's infidelity. Yeah, she, another new character this week. Peter. Someone named Peter. A complete stranger. Imagine opening up your heart to a complete stranger like right. Peter. She does in, it later in on the as memorial well. garden. Mm-hmm. She thought it was a real deal. Peter reminds her that Carla slept with Adam, but he loves her and she loves him. Men are shit is basically <laughs> the message. And Carla. And, <laughs> and Chesney. Doesn't make Imran a bad person. Doesn't it though? says Toya, doesn't it? Yeah. So Elsie's dropped off with Imran and she is adorable. She doesn't say much. <laughs> they give that child no lines. They just told her to go on there and smile and, and by maybe God she did. Giggle a little bit and that's it. She's awesome. I love her. I love her already. He has to explain about the disagreement that he had with Toya and it might be serious. But then Toya comes in and says, oh, it was nothing. It's all forgotten about. And she produces about tea. a heffalump for Elsie who just does not stop smiling. No. And she loves the heffalump and she loves that castle. <laughs> with Elsie distracted by a heffalump, Toya explains that she hates him but still loves him and doesn't know if it's enough. Plus the whole Harvey shite. She thinks that he only told her because he was worried he'd be found out, but he explains that that wasn't the case. He couldn't keep lying to her. He promises that he's been honest now, and she agrees to try and move past this. She sends him out to get some supplies for Elsie. Mm-hmm. So Imran is stomping down the street and calls a mysterious person, explaining that he's 
he's told Toya everything and demands a call back. So in the alleyway of doom, M runs in the shadows and meets up with Abby. (laughs) She was the drunken one night stand. He wants to know if she's going to tell Kev, but she's in no mood to put up with yeah. these childish games and There's tells no him to get to fuck. There's no way in I'm going to tell Kev. Thank you very much, says Abby. What, are you a child? Right. This has this has the kind of the, the marks off when Adam slept with Carla. Yeah. And Adam was suddenly worried that Carla's going to blab and Carla's like, why on the earth would I tell people about this? Right. And Abby's exactly the same. What makes you think I'm so proud of this that I'm going to tell people? Right, yeah. Why do you think lawyers, man, they think they're so good in the sack (laughs) that people are just going to be talking about it? (sighs) I'm trying to figure out the logistics here. Where did they have sex? I think I think the hotel thing is true. That they bumped into one another in the hotel. That Abby had a room in the hotel already? They must have gotten a room in the hotel at some point. Because she, she this is like before she has her outburst and takes off. Imran went into time with Sabine. We know that much. Right. And then went back to hers. And then he left. That's right. the story that we're told. So in the middle of the night... Window bars close again? Oh, in England? Yeah. Oh, is it still 11? It's early. Yeah. Would hotel bars be open later? Maybe. Maybe I have a later license. Maybe, right, maybe they'll have later licenses there, now. Be, because in a hotel, you can just go up to your room. You're not going to be driving anywhere. But, but, I'd, uh, the logistics of it aside. Just weird. But that aside, why would the two of them get it on together? Because they're both grieving basically the same thing. Uh, is it the same thing? Because he's grieving for Kelly. He's grieving for Kelly, who he sees as, you know, he's responsible for as a parent. She couldn't have given a fuck whether Kelly didn't get sent down so long as ITV Corey went down with her. Right, yeah. And ITV Corey did not get sent down, and she's still grieving her son. So I, I, don't, I don't know that that... I don't know that that makes sense. No, it really doesn't. It really doesn't. I guess because they had that conversation in the memorial garden. Remember when? I do remember when Abby said that maybe she should shag Sabine. Right. So, so let that happen then. Yeah. But I. Uh, it the feels. Whole like, feels it, yeah, it feels like it's just kind of thrown together. You you know like this they, when like you, they like they had a a hat full of names. And they just picked one out. You you know going into soaps that characters that you love are apt to become baddies. Yeah. And couples that you love are apt to break up. Right. People are going to do shitty things. So you know that. So you, while we're, we're enjoying Imran and Toya as much as we are, it's it's fleeting. Right. So... And I mean, you prepare yourself for, for for this sort of thing to happen, but you kind of want it to make a bit more sense than this. I don't know why Abby cheats on Kev, and I don't know why well, Ben cheats on Toya. Well, let's let's remember that Kev was being has been a complete and utter dick about this whole thing, and has been very patronizing to Abby throughout this whole thing and trying to tell her what is good for her. And telling, and again, another person telling a grieving person to get over it, sort of thing. Mm. 
there's nothing you can do so just get over it sort of thing kev has been a dick this is true so i can understand well he was supportive and then he suddenly wasn't yeah so that would give her an excuse to cheat on him i guess i just don't understand imran because i guess he was upset because toyo was you know she was trying to toil the situation yeah she was trying to therapize him and and he was having none of it and he was just really frustrated and she's been very very forgiving and very patient with him throughout this whole thing she was like uh, the the corner in a boxing match that he would be going in to do these fights and she'd be waiting for him in the corner at the right. end of the round to to boost him up yeah to, to give him some encouragement to tell right. him that this isn't finished and now off you go and, right. and and fight again. So she is, she really has been nothing but supportive. For right. Him. She's been doing all of the heavy lifting when it comes to emotional support in that relationship. So he has nothing to complain about as far as that's concerned. But remember, he did snap at her and everything when she suggested that maybe they get a different lawyer for the appeal. And I felt that that was fair because it was kind of soon to be talking about that. Just just let this settle a little bit. Right. And then we can talk about it. But it may, it may have been fair, but it wasn't enough to say, that's it, I'm going to go and cheat on you now. Right. On Friday, Elsie has been entertained by an annoying Imran who is trying to pretend that everything is okay and cool. Oh my God, you found that annoying? Oh, what you want for your breakfast? I thought that was adorable and so cute. I could feel my fallopian tubes unknot while he was doing that. It was so cute. I was like, yes, let's have another baby, Gav. Well, well, no. <laughs> so Toya puts the kibosh on that and takes her out, warning Imran that she's at her limit with him. Yeah. Toya's in Roy's Rolls with a smiling Elsie and she's introduced to Simon, who's had a haircut. Toya mentions that she needs to speak with Leanne about Imran and thinking... Uh, and thinking that she's talking about something else, Simon tells her about Imran's interest in his work phone to make uh, sure Sharon gets sent down. Oh, really? This is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Back home, Toya asks who Imran is because the bumbling crusader act is just like Rana. Crushed. Imran protests until Toya reveals that she knows that he was trawling through Simon's phone for info that could have got the boy killed. He goes off to deal with a smiling Elsie, and when he's away... Toya swipes his phone and mm-hmm. leaves. Lots of phone swiping this mm-hmm. week. It'll be so Peter finds Toya trying to hack into Imran's phone and breaks Why her. is she doing that in a public place? Why wouldn't she just do that at home, behind closed doors? Go to the toilet and wait for a shite. Berates her for it until she explains why and Peter changes his tune. The password is Rana's birthday. Toya's in. I expected Peter to be a lot more angry at this point. Yeah, because of Simon? Yeah. He's very protective of Simon. He's very protective of Simon. He's fond of Simon. Yeah. Somebody has to be. Yeah. Because I guess, I guess he's Simon's dad. <laughs> this Peter character. This Peter character just turned up. We're still doing this. to <laughs> Simon somehow. We haven't got enough mileage out of this. I guess not. <laughs> Later, an angry Sabine descends on the law office yelling at Imran for being a grass because now she's lost all of her cases thanks to him and his big fucking mouth. Harvey Gaskell's going to kill you, by the way. Yeah, no. It's not thanks to him, Sabine. It's thanks to you being unethical. Right. Because it, I was so I was so thankful to Peter. See, this is why he's been away for so long, because he's he's the sensible one who finally, out of everybody, says, Is that legal? <laughs> right. 
<laughs> to which Toya says, oh, probably not. I should have maybe thought of that. It seems Imran texted Sabine's boss, and that's when Imran notices his phone's missing. Toya, a woman scorned, says Adam, helpfully. <laughs> in Scottish. You need to... In Scottish. <laughs> Fuck off. You need to fix this, says Sabine. <laughs> it's Imran's reputation, too. So they call Simon to the bistro. This is... Uh, Toya and Peter here call Simon to the bistro to get him shit in his pants too. He feels so foolish for believing Imran was going to keep him out of it. Join the fucking club, says Toya, and she insists that Harvey's appeal is dead in the water. Let's not tell Leanne though, she's just got a fucking break after all. Toya's got home. Find what you wanted from a phone, asks Imran. He wishes that she'd have spoken to him before going behind his back. You've got a fucking nerve on you, says Toya, who's swearing yeah, an awful lot this week. <laughs> Fuck off, dude. Tell that to a terrified Simon. This was supposed to be a great week for us, but here we are. This shit is over. She loved him so much, but he's weak. He blows with the wind and he lies. Imran comes down at this and suggests a fresh start, but Toya wants him out once we giggles over their leaves. Imran begs. He'll go and see a therapist, but Toya knows that he's just saying things that he thinks that she wants to hear. He says that he was at his lowest the night of the verdict. He made a mistake. Why does he not get forgiveness, he says? Because you... <laughs> Fuck yourself. Because you were banking on it, says Toya. Yeah, seriously. It's like, oh, well, Toya's nice. She'll forgive me. Mm -hmm. Sabine goes to see Harvey in the nick and warns him that she's been taken off his case. They found out about her underhanded tactics tracking down Sharn, which casts doubt over everything else that she's done. And all of this, by the way, is Toya Battersby's fault. So, yeah, so... <laughs> So Harvey's in his cell with his phone, his radio, his grooming products, right. ordering his, one of his, his underlings. His, his knives, his guns, <laughs> his complete collection of How I Met Your Mother on DVD. His invisibility cloak. <laughs> his marauder's map. <laughs> I solemnly swear I'm up to no good <laughs> acting. And he's ordering one of his underlings We're to... We're sober! <laughs> Not anymore. He's ordering one of his underlings to get him the fuck out of this prison. Just you wait, Toya Battersby. Just you wait. And that's how we end this week's episode. Yeah, fucking A, Sabine. You're the one who did something illegal. And now you're throwing Toya under the bus because you did something illegal. Right. Just so, I guess, so Harvey doesn't want to kill you? Because he did seem like he was going to kill her. They're just like, oh, no, wait, I could blame it on Toya Battersby? That doesn't really matter, though. No, it's, you should it, want to kill Sabine, it, too. It wasn't Toya's responsibility to get him out of jail. No. No. So, I <sighs> I don't think that Harvey knows what Toya looks like. I think he does. I don't think he's ever met her. I think, I think he's seen her, though. I think he's seen her with Leanne when he was like stalking Leanne. Remember when he was stalking I Leanne? I don't think he did. But but and this but is But that my, dude and with that, the van knows what Toya looks like. Remember the dude with the van who kidnapped Sam? That was written by Doctor Zeus. <laughs> it's Zeus. Yeah, I, I knew that as soon as I said it. <laughs> no, I don't think he does. And this is my theory: is that he, because he doesn't know what Toya looks like, he's just going to shoot everybody. He sees Leanne with Natasha. And thinks Natasha is Toya, and that's how Natasha possibly meets her end. That's my theory. So Natasha's <laughs> not going to fall down the sinkhole then? No. Or maybe the two of them fall down the sinkhole together. <laughs> maybe in the car, in the car ride back, 
with Audrey and Gail. Natasha lets Audrey drive. <laughs> and the car falls into the sinkhole. I, don't know. I watched Halloween Kills at 8 o'clock this morning, so my mind's kind of racing with various ways for... 8 o'clock this morning you were watching that? Yeah. How was it? I, I, I liked it. It's Good. not great. I liked it. Yeah. It's another Halloween movie. It does quite interesting thing. We're in the middle of Tommy Cornish. <laughs> we have another podcast for that now, damn it. Right. <clears throat> Please listen to the list of lists. <laughs> Out Sunday night. You from the Common Language Network. It's the list of lists podcast with Helen Broom <laughs> and Gavin Broom. Oh, it's Helen and Gavin, is it? Yes. Okay, then. Yes, it is. Yeah, that's what I'm kind of banking on, the fact that he doesn't know what she looks like. They, they can't kill Toya, can they? They can try. They can. They can. They can kill Toya. They can kill anybody. They can't kill Toya. <sighs> so See, I don't know. I don't think. I don't think Toya's in, in danger. I Is think Leanne she, in danger. I think she might get hurt. Right. I think they're in danger of getting hurt, and I think everybody is in danger of getting hurt. <sighs> is Simon gonna die? Is there any way that Sean can die in this? I take Todd with him. No, I like no, no, Todd. Wait, now. We like we Todd like now. Todd as long as he doesn't Todd's get together fine. with Billy again, Todd's fine. We 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 could be doing with one less gay on the street. No offense to the gays. We need more lesbians. That's funnel enough, that's what's I've got tattooed over my chest. <laughs> we need more lesbians. <laughs> and a trans character or two wouldn't hurt either. That's that's underneath. We're, we're talking getting rid of people here. <laughs> Not adding. So, I, th- I think Leo's probably in danger. I, th- I think Natasha's in danger. Is this how Curtis finally dies? <laughs> That'd be funny. He's the only one left standing. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if he's got this? He's got this a heart condition that's supposed to kill him eventually, but instead he dies by falling into the sinkhole. That would actually be hilarious. Would it? I would laugh so hard if that happened. <laughs> oh, I know that sounds awful, but... I don't think, it's not an ironic death, is it? Maybe if he dies on his way to get surgery that's going to cure him of this disease, maybe that would make it ironic. It would be a lot of more sets definition of ironic. Yeah. But that whole song is irony. That's the point of it, I think. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> we must talk about Coronation Street. We've been doing so we well. We Curtis. Curtis is on Coronation Street sometimes. So who, who do you think's in danger? Uh, Harvey's in danger. Hopefully. ITV Corey's in danger. Abby's probably in danger. I, I, I don't think I, Nina... I, get, I don't think they'd do that to Nina after no. the summer. I get the sense... That at least one member of the core cast is in danger. And I feel like it's Audrey. I feel like it's one of the older members of the cast. Well, remember a, a few weeks ago we talked about this and with the Audrey with complaining the about how old she is. And her eyesight, right. There yeah. has to be something that has to have a payoff of, of some kind. And we haven't had it yet. No. She's back in the booze again. <sighs> yeah, I think Audrey's a lined up for it. And especially since, you know... Bum, that would bum me out. Because we've kind of 
closed the book on Audrey owning a salon now. Like officially, it's been. That's un- a that's a great point because it's that been was, empty for ages. But but she was standing outside it. Yeah, and she was kind of passing on the key, and she right. was passing on. That would mean that Natasha would live, though. Right, which is possible. See that the point of Natasha dying is so that Nick gets Sam. Right. And that just makes that less confusing. I would be very not that it's potentially confusing. I would be very angry if any children die. I think we'll, well again we've and that's and that includes all of the stunts, not just not just the sinkhole or Harvey. If any child, if any character under the age of eighteen dies, well, I think I'm going to be writing to the OCC. You're going to be getting on a plane, yeah, sure, uh, but you know this. No, I'm just going to write an email. Okay, that makes much to, more and, sense. And to that, uh, the the Ofcom. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be writing an Ofcom letter. I don't know if they take them from Americans, but I'm going to try. Yeah, I think with Oliver's death and Seb wasn't a teenager, but he was a young member of the cast. I think the the youngsters are fairly safe here. Yeah, let's stop killing children, Coronation Mm -hmm. Street. That's what the Hunger Games is for. I am looking forward to this. Like I said, I think it's a culmination of stuff. I think it, it feels like we have been going through the motions for a couple of weeks. Yep. Uh, to get to this point it better be worth it because we're we're making changes to the dynamics of the show quite considerably here because Abby and Kev are maybe on the skits Toya and Imran look like they're definitely done and Toya isn't the sort of person that's going to forgive here I don't think uh, She, uh, yeah and the thing is, is she already forgave she forgave and then Imran said nope that's that's it that's all I did and she said, there better not be anything else. But I think the whole putting Simon in danger, I think, was the was the nail in the coffin for I, Toya. I was surprised when that didn't come up when he's begging for his forgiveness because he just made one simple stupid mistake. And it isn't one simple stupid mistake. Sh- shagging somebody. And, and Toya doesn't know that it's Abby yet. Right, yeah. So there's, there's more lies here. Right, so yeah. there's lies upon lies upon lies. But right. that's not even thinking about the whole Simon Harvey situation. Right, yeah. Because, because you know, with the whole conversation with Peter and the fact that Toya hasn't always been honest herself when it comes to shagging, um, that I could see her forgiving and then being able to move on from. But the, the putting Simon's life in danger. And, and Leanne's life in danger. Right. Yeah, putting both of them in danger, but Simon especially with the whole phone thing, mm-hmm. you know, because he didn't, I think it annoys her that Sabine was able to kind of con him, you know, that, that he did this not out of any, not out of wanting to protect her from the news that he cheated and I mean, that whole thing, too, he could have very easily from the very beginning said, you don't know anything. You just know that I left halfway through the night. You have no idea where I ended yeah, up. Yeah, and that's, so, not, that's not a million miles away from what Toya knows. Yeah. So go fuck yourself. Go ahead. Go tell her that I left. You don't know where I went. Mm-hmm. You know, and that would have been... The, see, he, he could needs, have lied his way out of it. He's yeah. not a good enough liar. And it's it's tough because we kind of want Kevin Abbey to break up. Don't well, we? you do, especially. I, I feel like I made such a big deal of it beforehand that I, I kind of have to go with it now. 
Yeah, you were like, oh, this would be great. And then when it happened, you were like, oh. Be careful what you wish for. Right. I think, and it, it has nothing to do with their ages, but I just, Kev is so patronizing to her. And that's a form of his character because he's patronizing to women his own age. Mm-hmm. You know, he's still patronizing to Sally. I don't know why Sally tolerates even living across the street from him. He's been like this. He's been like this his whole life. The whole the whole time he's been in the show. Right. Yeah. So I want better for Abby as far as that's concerned. The whole Toya and Imran thing, though, it's going to break my heart because I just love the two of them together yep. so much. And I love Georgia and Charlie so much. And they've just been given so much time on the show, which has just made me happy mm-hmm. because I love them so much. Not that I hate Sally Carmen and Michael Lavelle, because obviously I don't. But, you know, I I think we have a soft spot for, for Georgia with oh, the whole yeah, Dollywood yeah. thing. Yeah. Oh, well, that was the week that was Coronation Street. Your moment of the week. Bernie's Jacket Potatoes. <laughs> That's our <laughs> moment of the week. No, it's, for me, it's... It's the uh, the 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 breakup two handers between Toy and Imran. Especially the second time. Yeah, the, when he says when she says to him that uh, you were banking on it. Yeah. To me, that is that absolutely was, that was it. Yeah, it's a I sad moment of the week. It's but... a sad one, but I don't think we've given Toy a moment of the week in forever. Yeah, and so... she was totally being fair. That was totally fair. She. She forgave, and then she just couldn't forgive anymore. Yep. That, not the big potato, but that is our moment of the week. That was for you, Tina. Tina? Yeah, it'll make sense later. <laughs> what was your boring moment of the week? I'm not sure. <laughs> Bernie's jacket <laughs> Because uh, Daniel wasn't in it enough this week, he wasn't was it, in it at all. Was it Craig slinking out of the out of Roy's role? No, because we laughed at that. I don't think we're meant to laugh at that. <laughs> we laughed at it though. Or, or was it Zidane being so mind-numbingly stupid with his ex-father-in-law that his father-in-law has to say, "You look like a fucking fish." Was it Zidane there? The head of a fish. And the, the brains of a beetle. Where did... Who's writing these lines? I feel like it's me. <laughs> uh, oh, stupid, stupid Zidane. Yeah. That's a Boring moment of the week. Shall we wrap this one up then? Yes, please. Have you ever been so dumb as to try and get the brother-in-law of a criminal's victim involved in getting that criminal released from prison? You might need to get someone to show you how to use a computer then, but when you have, write in to tell us all about it. We are the talk of the street at gmail.com and we are at Corey Podcast on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You can shout me and Helen a coffee by heading to ko-fi.com, that's ko-fi.com slash the talk of the street. Check out the clicky clicky section of woggle.co.uk and maybe cheekybreaks.com for links to our merch store and YouTube channel. And if you're so inclined, please leave a rating and a review on the iTunes or your podcast provider of choice. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode and we will be back next week with more uh, Talk of the Street. The Talk of the Street. Bye. Cheerio.